does everybody know what time it is? It's time to pick up your car phone, call your suspenders wearing stockbroker, and make a $50 investment in your future. That's right. It's grunt work. Investments. <laughs> On CNBC? <laughs> Doggy Dog and Truman Caps is at the door, ready to make an entrance, so back on up, because you know we're about to rip shit up on Grunt Work, your one-stop <laughs> shop for all things about the TV show Home Improvement. We have yet to have an episode where we haven't ripped shit up. <laughs> I am Landon, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, Solano, joined always by my co-host Truman, invest today to lock in your 4.11% 15-year fixed rate... <laughs> investment caps uh that gave me hives just hearing all that talk about investment <laughs> rates although 4.11 4. 4. is pretty good that's i feel like a pretty good return yeah i think that's uh standard as of uh, july 18 2018 you know i saw a banner ad the other day with a pretty hot stock tip it said that trump lifted the mortgage investment something and now is the time to buy and it had like a gif of a woman dancing and holding money bikini clad yeah I th- I th- yeah i think so <laughs> that sounds like a, a a trump ad yeah and then i well there was also next to a, a to a banner ad about the number one secret of a flat belly and then there was also one for like <laughs> dentists hate this man uh and something about a stay-at-home mom making 900 dollars a day so i mean I, there's a lot of interesting investment work out there if you just it certainly is look at the space between the url bar and where the article starts uh chairman how are you doing i am doing well and by well i mean i am a lot warmer than i would like to be right now yes. but uh, but other than that i think i'm in i'm in high spirits we so. are yeah still uh, in the throes early throes of summer uh, uh this is the heat will probably persist through September, so yeah. you you got you listeners have a lot of delirium ahead of you uh, in in experiencing our slip into insanity. So let's uh, let's hop right into the preamble here. Yeah, um, that, what was then? What was that? Was that the preamble? The that, preamble that was the pre that was the pre roll. <laughs> now the, we're going into the preamble. That was the then we go into the amble, then the post amble, the post roll. The synopsis, then the episode. Uh, so we just want to remind everybody, uh, the podcast awards are still, I think it's the last week that you can vote for us. Yep, down uh, the wire. So go to podcastawards.com, uh, sign up, and choose us from the TV and film and people's choice categories, select save your nominations, and that's it. Uh, we're trying to keep this <laughs> this little pitch concise. I'm sure we've hit you over the head with it enough. If, you, if you're um, marathoning this in the future, you're just hitting the hitting the 15 seconds button. It's <laughs> like, oh god, they, did I know. they win? Did they not win? Who knows? And so now I'm just trying to get it to be 15 seconds so that it's a nice, clean 15 seconds ahead. And then, and then I'm jumping in and making jokes about it to thwart your plans because <laughs> I am I am the yang to your yin. And that's why. We should be nominated for a podcast award. Exactly, exactly. All all of the best podcasts have feature two hosts who are fundamentally at odds with one another's uh, core needs and desires. <laughs> uh, so that's the podcastawards.com. And if you are feeling so uh, generous, you can also tweet uh, after you vote for us by including our um, Twitter handle at GruntWorkPod with the hashtag PCA18. That's podcastawards18. Um and that would really go a long way to to help us find some new viewers. Yes. Um, viewers with their ears. I mean, I don't know how you listen to podcasts, but I watch the, the time ticker the entire episode. You know, a watched podcast <laughs> uh, never boils. This one does because it is hot as a... 
in here. Uh, hot, hot as a, what? Am I supposed to edit in a bleep there? Uh, no, I was I was gonna go hot as AF, and then I stopped at A, <laughs> and just assumed that people would know that that meant ass. Hot. So hot as AF. By the way, like <laughs> that's that's like saying ATM machine. You know, there's a <laughs> redundancy there. <laughs> uh, why do we, why do we try and be cool and relevant with the kids, Landon? Let's just be us. Let's be the generation that just says as fuck. <laughs> I like it. Um. I was also thinking a little bit about our uh, user submitted question last week. Oh yes, yeah, about yeah. the Avengers. Yeah, and, uh, I've established in my mind a little bit more of of who would take on each role. Oh, okay. Before you start, yeah. maybe instead of the Avengers, it'd be called the Improvers. <laughs> okay, water like out the it. nose. Good. I like it. I, I, I'm interested to hear your your thoughts. Uh, well, I, after sitting on it, I definitely think. Tim would be Iron Man, Tony Stark, as yeah. we, you, you kind of came to that conclusion. So I am now fully ready to back it. Tony Tony Stark next to Doctor Strange is probably the biggest <laughs> asshole on this, in the series. Yes, but how easy would it be to just change it from Iron Man to Tool Man? Uh, or Iron John. Or Iron John. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it fits very, very well in And there. Jarvis is Wilson, who then becomes... <laughs> Not mankind. That's a wrestler, but you yeah, know what I mean. A wrestler. Yeah. A wrestler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it. I got it mixed up with something I was watching on uh, Red Tube. I mean YouTube <laughs> last night. Just a totally normal tube. No, no commentary on colors. Uh, <laughs> yes, Wilson would hundred percent be uh, be Jarvis. Uh, yeah. I love that because you never see his face. I mean, until he becomes the Vision. Um, yeah, Vision. That's it. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's ever a moment at which. So we're talking like. Pre Ultron Avengers yes. here, yes, um, yeah, and I, I still am on board with Al Borland as the Hulk Banner mix, yeah, especially after seeing the uh, Putt Putt episode a couple episodes ago, oh, where you-, <laughs> you anger Al in the very most specific ways. You're gonna see, you're gonna unleash the Hulk. But let me call bullshit though, yeah. because we like Al when he's angry, and that runs contrary <laughs> to everything we know about the Hulk, which is honestly, yeah. I well, like- we like. We like Al getting angry at others. I don't know that I'd want to be on his bad side. I guess I wouldn't either. Well, no, just because I like Al so much, and I feel like he and I would be, you know, friends and yeah. stuff. I wouldn't want him angry at me. I also think, though, I like the Hulk when he's angry, too, because that's when he does <laughs> awesome stuff like smash things and, like, hit Lo- you know, backhand Loki into the ground or whatever. Uh, Wes Davidson that we saw last week might be a good Loki. Oh, he could be... Well, he's maybe not mischievous enough. Yeah, like because I feel like Loki has good guy aspects to him. I feel like Wes Davidson would be like Red Skull, like maybe like kind of a second tier okay. villain. It depends yeah. how much we see of Wes Davidson. Yeah, you're right. Okay, then you know Maureen would actually be a more of a Loki who has yeah. the grand aspirations and she's always approaching things, even maybe with nefarious intentions, with kind of a charming. Uh, positive attitude. Yeah, 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 I think so. Did I did I say that Mark would be Groot? <laughs> you did. Okay, yes. uh, and I think Brad is teenage Groot, <laughs> and, and and I think Randy's Thanos or Ranos. <laughs> Ranos. Randos. I love it. I'm still uh, Team Jill for Team Cap. Oh yeah, you know I, I I'm with you more on that now. It yeah. really does kind of fit. I could see her. I could see her, you know, jumping around and chucking her shield at stuff, but the whole time just going like, boys, stop fighting! <laughs> well, she would be the one that would go language, uh, <laughs> you know, in the midst of a battle. Yeah, she's, um, but I feel like she'd be like, Cap- maybe, I think that Jill, though, maybe she'd be Captain America, or maybe she'd be Captain Library, because truly, <laughs> the the number one thing that she exists to defend and uphold, her central, yeah. her central organizing tenet is raising funds for libraries. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I have one other very quick thing before we start. Please, yes. Um, I want to start trying to come up with cocktails based on characters from Home Improvement. Oh and I my only, god, yes. I only say this because this name jumped into my head in the shower the other day. Daiquiri Ty Bryan. Oh, yes. I don't have any other ones. I don't know when I'm going to think of them. It's not a recurring segment necessarily. I just had to say it out loud. I love it. Right there in my notes. Um, what? So what What makes this daiquiri? Um, it has the words Ty Bryan in the name. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what would make what would make a daiquiri Ty Bryan? Because honestly, I'm... I mean, are we talking... What kind of fruit are we talking? Pineapple? Strawberry? Mm, what fruit best matches Zachary Ty Bryan, who plays... <laughs> Brad? Ding, 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 Oh, thank God. Okay, what fruit... Ba- um, I mean, what's the most Are we matching the fruit? character or the actor? Uh, well, I don't know. It would have to be... I, I, I mean, I, I guess it would be for the character. I'm calling it a daiquiri... T- you can't walk away from that name, man. Yeah. I never thought... I never realized that daiquiri and Zachary rhymed before. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the first rapper to figure out that Prada and Nada rhymed. It's like it's like everything... The whole world is my oyster now. I love it. Yeah, maybe it's an oyster daiquiri. I don't know. Oh, that sounds disgusting. That would be very bad. Yeah, I don't even like oysters that much the regular way. Certainly not in a blended drink with whipped cream. Well, uh, hop on the ingredients list, and we will uh, we'll keep a uh, running tally. We'll we'll put together a little black book of uh, of home improvement yeah. cocktails. Yeah, mixologists, write in. Let and us maybe, know. Yeah, maybe down the line, if we ever do a live event, we'll do an after party with uh, hosted. Uh, Home improvement drinks. Yeah, you know, hey, maybe maybe one day we'll open a home improvement themed bar, which I will then, in the <laughs> middle of the first night, change into a Cheers themed bar and uh, completely ruin it, <laughs> or make it better. Well, that's. <laughs> I mean, I would agree. Oh, Truman, we watched a very very special episode of Home Improvement this week, and we will. I'll get into why after we go through the synopsis and all this junk that we usually do here. All this junk. Well, Landon, I take it seriously. You might think it's it. Unless you're using it in the 90s Valley Girl parlance. Yeah. This is, well, this is all the yin and yang we were talking about. Oh, yes. You take it seriously. I take this part uh, silly. So. Uh, we, we trade off on who's being silly. And then when it's this hot, we both get there. <laughs> uh, so do you have a synopsis for us? <laughs> yes. Let's go through the pretext of asking. When Jill's mother notifies her that three $50 bonds she bought for the boys have come due, Jill decides to let the boys figure out what to invest them in. When the boys decide to invest them in a baseball card, Tim takes them to a toy store to make the purchase. But instead, the three wind up buying an expensive remote-controlled race car signed by a famous driver. At home, the boys prove unable to keep their hands off this mint condition keepsake and wind up severely damaging it, but try to hide it. When Tim and Jill discover the damage, they teach the boys a lesson by telling them that a buyer wants to give them $750 for the model, an offer that the boys painfully have to turn down. Meanwhile, Tim and Al go to a job site with the K&B guys to talk about how best to work on the high steel, which is apparently what you call steel beams in a building that's being constructed. <laughs> Things I learned today. Things get off track when Tim attempts to zip line down to an outhouse. <laughs> uh, high steel is also the third in the trilogy of the Real Steel series, where <laughs> Hugh Jackman just gets really, really baked. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's funny, because that was also me when I watched Real Steel. <laughs> that's, in fact, the only way one can watch Real Steel. <laughs> Oh, I love it. High uh, Steel is also a sequel to the <laughs> crappy 90s superhero movie Steel, which is, again, about just Steel getting on drugs. <laughs> um, well, speaking of alternate titles, do you have your thoughts on what this episode could be called? Uh, all right, so I have, two, I have two options. Okay. Either Steely Dan okay. or A Tool and His Money Are Soon Parting. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't know that. Is it 
an axiom? What would you call that? Uh, a fool and his money are soon parting. What, that's not a colloquialism. What do you call that? Uh, I think a, it's a colloquialism. Is it? It's okay. a saying, whatever. A saying, it's yeah. just like, yeah, if you're, if, yeah. I, I am, okay, interesting. I uh, get the impression that neither of those is the one. <laughs> you did not uh, strike gold like you did with Blow Up. Um, uh, so, no. <laughs> there's come one, but once a season. Yes. The episode title is called Dollars. And sense, sense, s e n s e. That's that's. Um, I wouldn't really say clever because that's literally the title of every investing handbook I, <laughs> they give you in like high homeac or something. Uh, but okay, obvious. I should have seen that. I should have seen that one. Uh, what, what did you think of this episode, Landon? Okay, true. Well, yeah. Why was this very special? This is so incredibly special to me oh because <clears throat> i don't know if you remember when we started this podcast i said that i remember nothing from then <laughs> there during my my watching of home improvement growing up yeah i this is the only show that i started watching from the pilot all the way through <gasps> to the the season finale series finale oh i think i know what this is yeah this is the one episode out of the entire run that i never saw on television. Oh my uh, god. In the past. I've never seen this episode. What were you doing that night in 1993? I was in Florida uh, uh, on vacation visiting my grandparents and... And they didn't have home improvement down there? That's not an excuse, <laughs> Landon. They watch TV in Florida, thank you very much. Uh, I know. Well, I, I think we I think we came home... I, I'm trying to remember. I'm probably fudging and making up stuff now, but I think we were rushing to get home to see it. Uh, we were at like we went to dinner because you know old people eat at three p.m. Sure, uh, and this was on at eight thirty or no nine o'clock. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We went to ice cream, did some shopping or something. I know we were. I I almost saw it, and then we got home like in the middle of it, and I'm like, I don't want any of it if I can't have all of it. <laughs> I love I love even at that age that you had these ironclad principles of how to watch <laughs> something. It's like, no, I I didn't see the first half. I'm not going to understand all the jokes. <laughs> it's, it's, you're like a child who walks into a movie. Um, that's incredible. I just I love the thought of you guys in the car, and you're like looking at your watch, like, Mom, Dad, it's almost time. <laughs> the it's end a- of the Hangover or something. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when like he's racing to get home and the and you know the, or like they're trapped behind the old lady in the car weaving all over and you're just like no <laughs> oh Landon I'm so glad we could finally set this right yeah I know I, it's it, it's what God 1993 so 25 years in the making this oh my moment God. for me this is great I, I, we we should promote this heavily on the podcast <laughs> uh, well I mean how so was were the grapes that much sweeter. When you finally were able to taste them after, did it? Mm. Did this episode age like fine wine? <laughs> Why? Uh, you know, it was interesting to like not have any. So, okay, here's the one thing I remember from the promos, and this is why I knew it was this episode that I missed. Was uh, in the promos for it, you see them, uh, you know, that shot where it lowers down to mm. the remote control car. Yeah, uh, when they're in this memorabilia shop, and then they cut to. Uh oh! The moment when it drives off toward the camera into the alleyway. Yeah. Uh, so those two shots have been stuck in my mind for 25 years now, um, <laughs> and it's weird. Unlike all of the other episodes we've watched so far, to have an inkling of like, you know, we talked about this in Blow Up, where it's like for some reason that moment when she walks into the room and sees that photo of her resonated with me. Yeah. And to have no resonance with an episode is very bizarre. I, I felt like I was free falling a little bit, uh, and I kind of loved it. <laughs> you, you love. Well, I mean, you love that that sense of 
that sense of 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 the unknown that yeah. sense of, of freedom a, there is a sense of discovery there mm-hmm. i think like you know like uh if we were to go into uh last man standing you know neither of us really have i mean i watched the first two seasons of that but i've forgotten a lot of it at this point yeah it would be a whole different experience than something we've both had you know experience with before you say you've forgotten a lot of it but you also remembered eight seasons of home improvement 25 years later so i would wager that you probably haven't forgotten last man standing home improvement happened at an impressionable age for me Mm -hmm. last man standing was a disposable i'm gonna put this on while i'm making food in the other room sort of deal so i have no like emotional connection with it i wasn't watching it with my family i wasn't rushing to get home i had no like emotional commitment to it so i remember things but not enough to uh make it last in any way that is very special i'm so glad that you could experience what it's like for me watching this and remembering basically none of it (laughs) also i I would love I, i would just love to look inside your brain where it's like you've got all this like you know, oh, yeah, Fellini's best movie was this, and my favorite French New Wave film is this, and all this knowledge of all these horror movies. And then in the middle of it, it's like two home improvement promos you saw in 1993 <laughs> that have stuck with you forever. You are the only person who wants to look inside my skull. <laughs> I'm not saying it would be a long look, not even a vacation. I want to, like, the plane is flying through, I kind of peek out and go, oh, wow, that's that's some shit, and then, and then move on. Not to mention all the uh, emotional scarring and everything from traumatic... Uh, teenage episodes and oh yeah yeah the plane would be at a very high very high altitude yeah satellite imagery <laughs> um well how did you feel about this episode since i spent so much time on it i i liked this i enjoyed this episode i i don't think it was necessarily great but i thought it was funnier than the last couple we've watched yeah i, I think the, yeah there were some moments in it that really made me laugh out loud and also i think that just more broadly so many episodes involve the boys doing something they're not supposed to do, lying to their parents about it, Tim and Jill finding out, and then being like, oh, let's let's prank them, let's teach them a lesson. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, teaching them a lesson is putting huge effort into a prank and then scaring the boys for, for a half second. Yeah. This one, I feel like they actually did lasting psychological damage to their kids, which <laughs> I think will, in fact, teach them a lesson. Yeah. I think those scars... So well, you're saying that there is a, a positive outcome to scarring your children. I, I do, uh, <laughs> under the right circumstance. This is like, okay, uh, you know, the Bluths uh, would always teach lessons to their kids. That's why you always leave a note. That's yeah. why you don't yell. And as a result, the Bluths uh, have a whole lot of, of stuff tied up about uh, leaving notes and not yelling and things like that. <laughs> I would say these boys could, you know, these boys are scarring their parents. Maybe it's time to scar back. Okay. All right. Know. I like an eye for an eye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it was gone to you said an eye for an eye totally works perfectly every time and we should keep doing it do we want to do we want to jump into it and, and share with the world what we saw here today well truman what we want is secondary to what we are obliged to do true it's it, it's it is an honor and a duty and so we will thank you uh cliff i was in fact legitimately quoting cliff from a cheers clip that i watched on youtube yesterday and for some reason is in my head because i'm dying of heat stroke oh there you go <laughs> um all right well let's just uh, let's go into it the yeah. cold open we start on tool time oh jesus i just forgot what we saw in the oh cold yeah open. oh <laughs> god damn it. Uh, a little, a little, little character that we have dubbed the Grunt uh, Creep. He's not little anymore, bro. He's, he, he's a man. He has been gaining. He's, he's, he's been doing his gains. He's swole. Uh, he's yoked. Uh, <laughs> Although I have to point out, he did not pay attention to leg day. 
<laughs> because he is all arms, baby. He did arm year, and then he's going to do leg year. <laughs> that was all the rage back then. It's funny. I'm wondering if um, the last couple episodes we've seen such a, a diminutive, uh, diminutive, god mm. dang, yeah. I'm slurring my words already, diminutive <laughs> uh, grunt creep in that it didn't have any arms. I don't even think it was animated in uh, the last episode or I think the one was, before that. It was bouncing in oh, one of them. The last one was bouncing, yeah. but one of them, it was just static. I think it yeah. was uh, uh, the one with the, the paint. Yeah, um, yeah, it, just, it, was on, it was on the drywall and they knocked yeah, it off. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering if that was like a decoy that uh, the grunt creep put out there, like... Mm-hmm. I can see if it's bouncing across the screen, it doesn't actually have a sentience, so maybe he, like, has created, oh my god, has the Grunt Creep created avatars in his own image that he is then putting out, we're gonna have a bunch of, like, little mini Grunt Creeps as minions. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it now Grunt Creep Babies. Uh, <laughs> they are, they are running loose. They're kind of like the gremlins, honestly. <laughs> You can't you can't watch Home Improvement after midnight. Yeah. You can't get them wet. Um, <laughs> but this grunt creep, he's sitting in the audience with all of the the construction crew that, as we'll learn in a second, the K and B construction guys have uh, brought on to set. Yeah, um, they're all wearing hard hats and clapping. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Tim, you know, he was worried about Rose in the audience uh, in the Crazy for You episode. I'm a little more worried about the grunt creep who has these two bulging biceps taking up two seats in the. The tool time audience. He's like standing on the seats and he's twirling a hard hat or a baseball cap <laughs> around on one of his beefy, meaty, roided out arms. <laughs> I mean, it's really just like, I'm not at the point where I get upset by the show anymore, but I'm going to say they they waited like like a second and a half to show us this. If they had put this a couple minutes into the show, it would have been easier to handle. But this is just... <laughs> Just, a, just first taste. Just, just slap you across the face. Yeah, just it's like you, you go to prison. You have to beat up the biggest guy on the first day to show him what you're about. And this episode <laughs> identified me clearly. I'm the biggest, meatiest, toughest dude, and just punched me in the face. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. Oh Great. man. Um. Anyway, after this very disconcerting, slightly threatening uh, opening, uh, slightly arousing opening, maybe <laughs> maybe it made you find some things about yourself that you're not fully comfortable with. Uh. Tim and Al come out um, at at the start of the Tool Time episode. As they often do. Uh, both wearing hard hats. Tim yes. is wearing the Timbo hat. The chromed out Timbo hat, as <laughs> always. All the way back from... Uh, this is so funny that the... Um, the the level of continuity that they have for certain things is mind-blowing. That yeah. The way this Timbo hat came about was in the episode of season one called Nothing More Than Feelings. Yes. Where they had the two audience members come down. One of them was named Jimbo. Right. And then... The joke is made, well, you can call me Timbo. <laughs> yeah. The next episode the, that followed it, Tim is wearing a hat that says Timbo. Yeah. And it has stayed on the show since then. It, it's it's weird that the show shows so much attention to detail in a place that nobody should care about. But then <laughs> Jill is just always working on the library fundraiser <laughs> year yeah. round. Was the library fundraiser yesterday? I'm still working on the library fundraiser. I mean, there's so much to do that as soon as one fundraiser ends, you have to immediately start on the next one. It's it's like it is it's like Schrodinger's fundraiser. It's always both going on and over with. Like it exists <laughs> in all states. I love it. And there's a dead cat in there too. <laughs> um but guess what? We have a very special guest this week on Tool Time. Multiple special guests. Yes. Uh, the K&B guys are back to teach everybody about uh, the high steel. How to... Indeed. Which... So the main thing that they're doing today on set, they've got yeah. a couple big I-beams out there. Yeah. And it's just how to walk across an I-beam on a construction site. 
Now, Tool Time seems to me to be a show for people who are into, say, I don't know, home improvement. <laughs> people who are doing projects around the house. Yeah. It's like tips for the handyman in his own house. A, a thing that's teaching you how to walk on steel girders at a job site, it's like, okay, I guess way to be informative and not just go and do a sexist rant like you normally do. But on the other hand, wouldn't the union be training people how to like walk on the girders or like the sure. OSHA people? Would yeah. Be? This seems like if you're a skilled craftsman, you would learn this stuff in the process of your craft. If you're watching uh, Tool Time, you don't really need it. <laughs> yes, uh, I will respond to that by saying uh, just like the, the Andretti brothers yes. uh, or George Foreman, it's really a show about male interests. Uh, true. Uh, true. And I would say that that's probably where this is leaning more toward like construction sites, tools, steel girders, men, fighter jets, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can see that fitting into that regard, but I, I mean, as a viewer, yes, I would be more interested in seeing home improvement stuff rather, you know, I'm not going to be using steel girders to be building a house. Yeah. Oh, heavens. No. Um, and before we go too much further with this, we have to draw attention again to the lack of rock. Yeah, where I know. is rock? Was there like a contract dispute? Was he injured on the job oh, site? Maybe I don't, I don't maybe know. Maybe he got hired on another. You know, I should look up to see if he was like uh, playing on another show at the time. Maybe he had a recurring role somewhere. I have to say, seeing the K and B guys just always—I I say this every time they come out—but it really brings me so much joy because their performances are so different from everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, like they—they they are all on the same. Like, their comic timing and their comic interplay, however many of them we've got, is so good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and it's it's funny, and it was there from the very first episode, uh, appearance of them, that Dwayne and, and uh, Pete have just such solidified characters. It almost makes me wonder if that's, like, just the, the actor themselves, you know, yeah. bringing, you know, not even, like, doing a character, just stepping into... I wonder if, I wonder if they... Gary McGurk and uh, and Mickey Jones. I wonder if they were friends uh, offset. Well, that's that's what I I mean. That's why I've always kind of assumed, or like you know, in in the past, I've said like that. It feels like they're all like a tr these guys were a comedy troupe <laughs> hired yeah. to do these bits on on the show yeah. because they it seems like they've been performing together. Uh, this is testament to their abilities. I mean, they weren't so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah good for them. They fooled me, <laughs> which uh, is not hard. They fooled the guy who can't even remember the names of all three of the actors who play the boys <laughs> on the show. Uh, but in addition to rock, not being there, there was another thing, not there. Uh, you mean another person, not there. Dwayne's mustache. Oh God. I'm not paying this close <laughs> of attention had, to their faces. J Dwayne had uh, shaved his mustaches. It was a little, little funny. Yeah. Anyway, the whole point of the guys being there is to talk about how to walk on uh, steel beams. Yes. So uh, Pete gets up on a beam mm -hmm. and walks on it, demonstrating his heel-to-toe technique. Uh, which is technically referred to as the one foot in front of the other technique. <laughs> He's up there saying, <laughs> I just like to put one foot in front of the other. And then and then Al goes, known as the one foot in front of the other technique. <laughs> and then Tim hisses in his ear very sensually. Um and then Tim challenges Al to get up on the iron and show his balance. On the, yeah, they have two two I-beams up there, yeah. and he has him get up on the other one. Yeah, and uh, it bends under Al's weight, which I'm not sure if Tim, at great expense, got a rubber I-beam <laughs> to goof on his companion, or if this is just like a joke on Al 
like it's not just Al's mom we're making jokes about. It's Al's weight too. Like which uh, doesn't make any sense because Al isn't no, overweight. No, he's not. He's just like, no. He's like he's like broad shouldered. That's he's, it. he's barrel chested. Yeah, how I would yeah. Refer to him. He's like a lumberjack. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, we get a bon mot from Al, and then the entire screen drops into the void. Yeah, well, it bends in the middle and then falls into the void, and then we get a little, uh, <laughs> a little construction cap, Looney Tune style, sticking in the frame, and then pew, just hovering and, just and falls down. You know, a classic, classic physics where the thing kind of wobbles in midair for a few seconds and then falls faster than everything else that <laughs> fell before it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just roasting Looney Tunes today on their <laughs> physics. That's right, I'm calling you out. Um, the, but that, uh, that drop into the void takes us into the theme song and we have an update. I don't know if you remember a couple episodes ago, we made a little, little gentleman's wager oh. over how many grunts are in the, uh, the theme song. And I said 10. You said I? 10. I said five. How, and I keep not counting them, even though that's nominally no. my job. Uh, how many did we get? We have a grand total of three. Son of a bitch. So by <laughs> Price is Right rules. <laughs> Neither of us win. No, I, well, but you were, you didn't, but uh, I, you we both went over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Price, right. yeah. Price is Right rules are not the uh, template to work from here. Is it only three grunts? It just seems like so much more. There's, yeah, there's one at the very beginning, really? one at the very end, and then there's a stray uh, one in the middle. Wow. Uh, yeah, man, it's like every day I learn, <laughs> I learn something new and something mind-blowing. Well, here's the question that I should uh, ask you. Yeah. Um, at any point, are you going to include those grunts in the grunt count? What, so I'm just going to multiply three times the number of episodes? Well, here's what I would propose if you did want to include them. That you only include the grunts every time the theme song changes. So there would be three for the first season, three for season two, and three thus far, and then moving forward. I'm assuming they're not going to add more grunts to the theme song, but well, uh, who, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But, um maybe or i might just compute it one time as three grunts okay and just add three to the total i also am see i also saw on twitter some advocacy from uh fan theory world that we count those three ghost grunts in the I, halloween episode i put a poll out there and uh we can we can ch- take a look at it now we have uh 83 percent for oh, oh. Which is yes. Okay, good. And 17%, which is, oh no, which is no, uh, in terms of whether we should or should not include those three silent grunts from, uh, what episode was that? Uh, uh, I think that it was, was Blow Up. Yeah, oh, Blow oh, Up. No. I think it, it was either Blow Up or Crazy for You. I can't remember, but. Yeah, it, pe- the, the, the fans know which one we're talking about. <laughs> uh, is, oh no, the super slow motion sound from when they clock Bob Vila on the head. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, the reverse Kool-Aid man. Uh, okay, okay. So, I mean, there is still a few hours left in the poll. Um, I mean, listeners, this is going to be over weeks ago uh, for you, but um, it's leaning... Powerless to help. It's leaning very much toward we should we should uh, include them, so... Okay, okay. I think that's, that's probably where we're going to end up. We'll incorporate that into the totals at the end of the season, then. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and while we're on the subject, do you want to go to the grant count now, or do you want to save that? Uh, yeah, the grant count's a quick one. It's four. It's just four grunts. I mean, that's impressive as far as this. I, I know it's it's more concerned. grunts than like the last three episodes combined. Yes. Wow. He it's just a classic. Tim just goes like just it's on the job yeah, site. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Later in the episode, I I get to the point sometimes in the middle of the episode where there hasn't been a grunt for so long. I'll just be like, wait, have I been missing them? But it's like <laughs> when he grunts, it, yeah. something inside me, you know, right? Yeah, it automatically counts up. Right. Um. But yeah, four grunts. 
Ch- chalk it up. There's nothing okay. interesting to say about him. I, I for how much of a change this has been this season from the last. I'm not even going to be able to fathom a guess at the end of the season for how many we've had. That we are in new and uncharted territory. They're yeah. taking us to places we didn't know we could go. <laughs> but not not in the normal like extremities. No, we're talking like. Uh, this is how zen you can be, how how centered and focused you can be, yeah. uh, turning inward it's instead not, of outward. It's not about how many grunts, it's about how many, how, the quality of the grunts. <laughs> Life is not measured in the number of grunts you take, it's the number of <laughs> moments that take your grunts away. <laughs> well, something is certainly taking the grunts away from this season. Yeah, uh, yeah the grunt creep, most likely. May, yeah, there he's taking go. those big, powerful, meaty arms and just <laughs> grabbing them and smashing them. They're like, he's, he's trying to pet them like Lenny and of Mice and Men and killing them because he doesn't know his own strength. In the physiology of the grunt creep, grunts are where he gets his protein. Oh, okay. So, so he's so he's grunt loading. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the theme song concludes. And yes. Oh well, Brad. Brad stares into our souls yet again. When is this going to change? I don't. I hope it changes soon because I mean I'm I'm giving up things on the air here that I don't that I don't want to give up. He was tugging at a secret of mine this week. Yeah, but I, I was able to, to slap his hand away in time. Well, my he, he got one out of you know my I was trying to hold it back too, but my greasy little fingers it just slipped right out of him. Uh, <laughs> God, all right, I'm not proud of this. <laughs> Uh, but it's not like in the past I've said, I'm not proud of this. And then told like really funny stories about like farts and stuff. This one, not as much. Uh, I didn't, I, in, in the 2010 midterm elections, I didn't vote. Oh no. I, I was, I was not very aware of, I was in college. I was a sophomore in college at the time. I had a lot of other stuff. My head was full of just, you know, all the things that college kids are into. I, we're just heading off to the sock hop dances and we were off. You know, running through the streets uh, with sticks, pushing a pushing kind of a, a rubber wheel along, trying to keep it standing upright. We were we were cramming phone booths and sitting on flagpoles and dancing the Charleston till eleven thirty a.m. And basically, I just wasn't paying attention and didn't even really realize that in this country we have elections every two years. Um, in to, I mean, that being said, though, I'm from Oregon, so I don't think like, you know, it's not like there were any major partisan upsets in Oregon. Mm. Things tend to be pretty one party control. But yeah. nonetheless, you should always vote. Always. Always vote. Yeah. Even if it's 2010. Actually, especially if it, it would have been great if more people had voted then. In uh, in co-host solidarity. Yeah. Uh, I, will, I will. Since he had his grubby little fingers on a secret of mine, but didn't i will yeah. i will give this up just to not leave you out there hanging oh thank you man um i didn't vote in the 2000 election oh uh, i oh. was just exiting high school so i wasn't in the the right mindset mm-hmm. but then after the debacle of that whole election yeah in a way much like um Jill and Tim pulling a prank to <laughs> to really establish a, a firm grounding for these kids uh, the 2000 election really hammered into my head why it's important to vote, and I have not missed a voting since then. Oh, well, that's that's great, man. Good for I I I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad that out of all of that craziness and things that I maybe didn't necessarily so much agree with, I'm glad that there could at least be a good civic lesson taught from somewhere. All of it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, anyway, um, speaking of voting, you can vote for us for a podcast award. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, yes, but please do. Yeah. Don't let this podcast awards be the 2000 election or the 2010 midterms get out there and vote <laughs> make your voice heard indeed um so brad has stolen the secret but we have deflated his power over us by revealing it to everybody 
suck it, Brad. We're moving on to the very first scene, which is in the backyard. Yes. <clears throat> and Brad, Randy, and Mark are playing the footballs. And they're playing it. They're playing it Charlie Brown style because oh my God. they Charlie Brown him so hard. Randy, uh, so uh, let's see. Randy with the ball snaps to Brad. Brad sets it up for like I guess a field goal kick is probably what they call it. And and Mark is running for it, but then Brad pulls it back at the last second. And then Mark just like jumps through the air, kicking his legs, and like <laughs> and then like lands in a crouch with his forehead on the ground, which is yeah. Probably the exact technique I would use if I ever had to kick a football for the first time in my life. <laughs> in wrestling, they call that a a bump, kind of. Oh, uh, when you take a fall, but usually it's when someone hits you and you you like really sell the hit. Yeah. Uh, Mark Mark took a bump here. He <laughs> he he went to go kick I, the ball and really just I, sold the landing. I knew there was a lot of cocaine in TV, but I didn't know the kids were taking bumps on set. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Um. Yeah, so Tim comes out, and as soon as the boys then see Tim come out, they start acting like they're being nice to Mark. Of course. Uh, Tim announces that the hot rod is coming back from being painted, which I'm like, oh, yes, awesome. This episode's going to be about the hot rod. Nope. (laughs) Nope, just putting it out there. Do you think Tim went to Joe's guy to get his thing painted? Maybe so. Actually, yeah, I think he went to Joe. Mm, no, actually, I take it back. He did not. I don't think Tim after the debacle Joe. of the dress and everything, yeah. I would I would be surprised if he used Joe's guy's. Joe's Joe's guy did such a bad job getting Jill the dress. Also, the quickest of detours on this. I was watching a Cheers episode the other night <laughs> where uh, Sam is looking to get an engagement ring for Diane. One of the seven thousand times that they get engaged, but then break right. it off, and he's like fretting over the cost of it. But then Norm says, "Hey, you know, Sam, I got a guy who can uh, get you uh, get you a ring for half what that one costs." And sure enough, you know, everyone is saying like, "Oh, don't go with Norm's guy," but Sam, of course, goes with Norm's Norm guy. Cliff. Norm. Norm. I was. I know. I sounded. Did I say Cliff in the middle there? No, but you did a Cliff impression. I didn't quite do the Cliff. I. I, I started to go for it, but Norm doesn't really have. A, Norm doesn't do. Doesn't have like a Chicago accent. Afternoon, everybody. That's just kind of Norm. Um. <laughs> but no. But he says, oh, "I've got a guy," and t- yeah. and Sam goes to the guy, and oh, but it turns out to be a huge disaster, and Diane gets mad. Yeah. So I'm just like, I think anytime you're on a sitcom and someone says, "I've got a guy who can do that thing for cheaper," don't go to the guy. Just go through the traditional means of getting the thing. <laughs> I like it. It's almost like. Setting up uh, the same sort of uh, rules that govern a horror film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, uh, let's see, don't have sex, don't drink. Don't go into abandoned houses. Yeah, yeah. Don't open up dusty old books that might have uh, evil Latin written in them. Yeah, yeah. Don't play a recording of somebody reading from the Necronomicon. Especially don't play it backwards. Oh, God, even worse, even worse. <laughs> if you Actually, if you play a satanic reading backwards, you get a Beatles song. <laughs> uh, before we move into the house, uh, I just want to point out where we're at with these kids because it feels like a turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to be very careful in how we approach this in the coming seasons. At no point do I intend to be disparaging or or making fun of them. Mm-hmm. It's worth pointing out that we're starting to enter the awkward ages of adolescence, and yes. they. All three of them are at an age where their clothes, I mean, they're, they're just growing and changing. That None of their clothes fit properly. <laughs> uh, like, Randy's stuff is too big for him. And, you know, part of that is the, the baggy style of the 90s. Brad's stuff looked a little too short for him because he's growing so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's going to get awkward here over the next couple of years. Oh, oh yeah. No, batten down the hatches because the puberty storms are coming. But uh, I, and I'm going to make this vow right now. Okay. And I, I'm hoping that it scares me enough to stick with it. That if at any point 
uh, I say something that is disparaging in regards to how somebody looks or whatever, because that's never my intention, uh, I will post an awkward photo of me as a teenager. Oh, geez. Okay. Or I can just edit it out of the podcast so you don't have to do that. Sure, but if it if it if it sneaks past us, if we or if we have bad judgment and put it out there and someone's like that sucks, don't do that. Uh, that that's going to be my safety net. I will humiliate myself should the need arise. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, I mean I respect that. I really do. I don't think you're going to hurt it. like it would be different if the show was currently on and the children were out there reading these things. Like, by now, <laughs> enough has been said and enough has happened to those kids that I think that they would be okay. But I still respect your principles and there I'll stand by it. That's, that's all a person has in their life is just their principles. Yes, that's very true. I don't have a joke for that, but I agree <laughs> with you wholeheartedly. And we're in agreement. So, <laughs> uh, they go inside. Yeah. Tim... Eagerly informs Jill that uh, the hot rod is coming and that he wants her to get her hot pants ready so she can sit in the front seat wearing a tube top and hot pants. And Jill says, I've never worn hot pants. I never will wear hot pants. So if it's that important to you, you wear them. I love it. And Randy just goes, that's not a pretty picture. (laughs) (laughs) The the dialogue is snappy in this. The dialogue is uncharacteristically snappy in this episode. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um... And she informs him that, uh, or informs Tim, I should say, that uh, the, she spoke to her mother and that the kid, the bonds that she invested in uh, when they were born are now up and they need to either reinvest them, which is what her mom wants to do. Mm -hmm. She's like, why even put it to the kids? But, you know, I'll just reinvest them in something else. Uh, And Jill argues, no, I think they're old enough and mature enough to decide what to invest in for themselves. Don't know. Don't know which kids Jill thinks she's raising, but okay, okay, (laughs) Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, And Tim agrees with uh, Jill's mom on this one. Yeah. Which and I do, too. (laughs) Yeah. Why would you? Why? Like, how does a kid even understand the concept of an invest? Like, Mm -hmm. that's such a big thing to wrap your head. A A kid can't even handle the idea of if I don't eat this marshmallow right now in 10 minutes, I'll get two marshmallows. Like you can't even give them (laughs) that, that much. Yeah. And also these bonds, let's just say it. Jill's mom invested a whopping $50 per kid in these bonds. <laughs> hoping you were going to bring that up. The, the whole episode, like, at first she's talking about, oh, time to reinvest the bonds. And I'm like, okay, so it's like a couple thousand dollars a kid or something. Yeah. It's college money. And she's like, 50 bucks a piece. What the, f- who, ca- what, <laughs> even in the 90s, it's not that much money. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, like you, you, they could they could have made the most shrewd financial financial well, decision with this, and still, you know. Here's the question: Is that they have fifty dollars now? So how much did she invest when they were born? I, yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know. She probably invested twenty four fifty, and <laughs> and over the course of eleven years or so, yeah, this is right. what we got. Um, yeah. So anyway, but she, you know, yeah. Tim, Tim, uncharacteristically is saying like, yeah, let's like, why, why let him, mm-hmm. why let him do this? It's almost like roles reversed here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we cut from that. Yeah. To a little bit later. Yeah. The kids are pouring over a baseball card pr- uh, price guide. Yeah. Which, and it turns out they've are like I, I really like just pacing wise that they cut out the scene of Tim and Jill telling the boys yes. this and just cut right to the boys trying to decide. It's like good because. You would have tried to squeeze a couple of hammy jokes out of that scene that I didn't want to see. This yeah. is a lot better. Just move it right along. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a good a deft stroke of writing. Yes. Um. Yes, a deft stroke of the writer's paintbrush. <laughs> uh, that said, this <laughs> the kids choosing baseball cards to invest in is a mark of the 90s. 
and I have a lot to say about it. You have a lot of baseball cards, so <laughs> I, I imagine to. you would. Oh, yeah. you used to. Okay. I, I did end up selling them all, um, or most of them. I still have a, a few of them around uh, that I... It, it, this is this is how ironclad the idea of investing in your future through cards and memorabilia was in the mm-hmm. '90s. Is that I in 2018 still have a box of what I deemed the most uh, expensive of my collection, thinking that I'll still get money from them someday. <laughs> Not gonna happen. What What about your Beanie Baby collection, though? <laughs> those are still those are still in in deep storage, right? Uh, you know, my my little cousin. Uh, she she was. Uh, you know, during this age when we were all investing and in getting baseball cards and things to collect, uh, I think also the Star Wars toys when they were re-released for the the you know the special editions. Ninety-seven, yeah, yeah. Um, she wanted to be a part of the whole collecting thing and got into the Beanie Baby ordeal. Man, and how, and so she's a multi-trillionaire now, right? <laughs> I think uh, last I checked, they were all in garbage bags in her basement. Uh, so she kept them. So <laughs> she, she kept, kept them. them. Yes. <laughs> so even so, not really storing them properly, but she is still taking up space in her life with them. That's that is good. Uh, my my only thing is, you know, don't invest in memorabilia mm-hmm. for anything. It, it's it goes through hot flashes and waves, but now I can. I think we could safely say that at no point are physical things like baseball cards uh, going to have any real value to people outside of the collecting community sure sure you know if i could give you a tip uh, if you want to invest in something invest in your relationships with the people around you because that will pay back uh infinity fold i didn't know that uh getting in a relationship is a financial uh, decision uh yeah i mean i'm not even saying get it just like just invest in everybody man just in everything you do all right i'm i feel like i've gotten into a tony robbins point of my my heat stroke now (laughs) do i have to invest in a 15-year fixed rate with a relationship, I, I, yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> or you can do. I flirt around a little bit. First? Well, no, I mean, you can you can refinance your relationship. <laughs> uh, you know, act, actually, actually, I read about this stay-at-home mom who makes nine hundred dollars a day refinancing relationships. <laughs> Doctors and dentists hate her, but she's got a flat belly because she figured out this one trick. And and that's the the banner ad humor. Well, was so delicious. I had to return to it. I love it so much. So, uh, returning to the episode, I. <laughs> Despite the fact that baseball cards are a awful investment uh, and such a mark of the 90s, I really, really like Jill's response to the kids. Yeah. She doesn't just flat out say no. Yeah. That you're stupid and I should just have taken my mom's advice and uh, set my pride aside and reinvested the bonds for you. Yeah. She commends them for creative thinking and, mm-hmm. and thinking outside the box. And she actually listens to Randy when he says, well, this one here you know, was sold for a penny and is now $450,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she actually values what her kids are, are, you know, when she sees that they are taking it seriously to a degree, mm-hmm. she she accepts that and, like, wants to nat- nurture that. And I really like that. When she, when she sees that her kids have of their own volition opened a book and read some things in it <laughs> and actually right. done a little bit of basic math to try and calculate yeah. return on investment... Yeah, and, you know, Randy makes the point that, like, yeah, not all of them are going to have a 40 million percent return, but a lot of these <laughs> double or triple in value over time. Yeah. She, so she, you know, it's, they they want to pool their money to get one good card and and share the money from that. And Jill points out they're not very good at uh, at uh, sharing. Like, right. Like, the time they all three got bloody noses when they tried to share a nutty buddy bar, <laughs> which is referred to as the bloody nutty buddy bar incident. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess that I guess she agrees to it because the next scene is Tim taking the boys down to ye old hobby and toy stop. Oh, boy. This was nostalgic for me. Oh, man. Okay, this, wow. is, this is in. We took different. We come on different sides of this. Tell me about your nostalgia yeah. well, for baseball card shops. When Tim walks into the store, he says, Ah, oh, you smell that? Uh, <laughs> what was it like? Uh, oh, uh. I don't even know. Like something, it smells like childhood. It something, smells, yeah, it smells like your childhood. Yeah, yeah. like the model glue or whatever. Or yeah, the, I yeah. think he said something about sawdust or something. Yeah. But, uh, He's always saying something about sawdust. <laughs> Fair. Randy uh, is like, Dad, this is our childhood. Yeah. Great line. Um, well delivered, deadpan. But I had the same exact rea- reaction to Tim when he walked in the store, minus the olfactory sense, because we're watching TV and I can't smell <laughs> what's on the set. But um, but you get a little bit of it, though. Like, like the memory <laughs> is, a, you remember smells better than anything, as I learned on an Old Spice commercial. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And that's very true. Yeah. Um, it's This was like the epitome of my Wednesdays in my youth. I yeah. would always... Uh, after school, go to the baseball card shop, or uh, once I broke my wrist and couldn't play sports anymore, I got into comic books, mm. uh, and then walking into the comic book shop. Whatever it was, Wednesday for my entire childhood was walking into a store like this and checking out all the new offerings. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it, it, I don't know, it really, really brought me back. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the set is well, like, the set is well-dressed. Like, it looks, it, a, a, I didn't look at it and immediately say, oh, I've seen this before, and yep. then B, it, yeah, it was very evocative of that sort of thing. For for me, it was like kind of like a ghost of a memory that I have. <laughs> okay. Because as when I was growing up, uh, I spent a lot of times in you know enthusiast hobby shops, but these tended to be ones that sold like twenty sided die and the D and D three point five codex and all of those things. <laughs> so it's like I all it's like oh cool stuff up framed in there and oh it's cool expensive memorabilia and, and things like that but for me it was like not like not like a a uh framed uh jersey from the detroit pistons it was like a you know framed dragon figurine that yeah. some like that i don't know somebody made and that they're selling for 500 dollars to right. whichever rich ass nerd wants to get it <laughs> but yeah i mean that just that idea it's of called like, dwight schrute <laughs> I feel like he would be the guy who buys the big sword that they have on the, because they always sell swords at those places. Um, no, no, but just this, that notion of like, you're a kid, you, you have, you've got some money and you're going to go to the place where all of the things that you want are. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's that feeling came across strong in this scene. Yeah, absolutely. And that really, and that also that feeling is what this episode is about. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so then, um, you know, the kids start immediately looking at the baseball cards, and then uh, Tim has a little chat with the uh, the store owner. Do you want to? I do you want to walk through that, and then I'll go into character actor corner. I, it was I, amazing. I, absolutely, this is the funniest part of the episode, and probably this will remain one of my favorite parts from I think the series because this joke is so <laughs> great. He Tim's whole case that he makes to the boys while they're walking around is like, I don't know much about baseball cards, but I know a lot about business. I want to make sure you get a good deal here. So he goes up to the clerk, who looks like the sort of guy who works at a baseball card store, <laughs> and says, oh, hey, you know, we just want to, you know, I want to get some cards for the kids, but make sure they don't get ripped off. And the clerk goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. All we do here is rip people off. And <laughs> and Tim goes like, oh, okay, okay, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I'm just worried about him. Hey, uh, what's your name? And the clerk goes, Ripoffer, Mr. Conman T. Ripoffer. <laughs> In just the most deadpan delivery you can imagine. It was like, I feel, that that felt like, that's so alt-comedy, like, that, there's just so, I don't know, something about that felt 
very fresh yeah. and new and outside of the time when it was made. It felt like, <laughs> I don't know, like something that came in out of an improv or something. Yeah, it's one of those things like, uh, who was a Cameron Crowe who said that you never have a, a throwaway character even if they have one line. Sure, Like yeah. uh, in Jerry Maguire, the guy that he's handing the uh, the manifesto to at the very beginning at Kinko's. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the line is there, but like he didn't want to even throw away that character. He gives yeah. that character the shining light. That's what feels like is happening in this scene with like, why, why have this character be disposable when he can be a source of comedy that's you know good to oppose him with yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean uh, what can you what can you tell me about this character actor because he did look familiar his name is david wool um oh, w-o-h-l double yep hmm do you you may know him uh he he's been around for forever uh, i would even say he's prolific <laughs> What if I say it? Does that get you? you it does help a little okay, bit. Okay, good. Uh, his first film ever was Sophie's Choice. Oh, so, well, this is so many ties to the shit that we know, do here. That's another deep cut old grunt work joke. Uh, he's also been in War of the Roses. Uh, this uh, other uh, 2008 film called The Wackness, which I really oh, like. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, a great name for a movie. I know him mostly from Revenge of the Nerds, where he played uh, Dean Ulrich. <laughs> okay. Um, but he was also in uh, Hot Shots. Uh, Part two, uh, he was he has just as many uh, TV credits as well, from Dinosaurs to the X-Files. He was insane elsewhere. What? <laughs> so he's part of the, he's in the snow globe too. He's in the snow globe. We're the, all part of the snow globe. That was a real whirlwind of 90s stuff. You got your, you got Sophie's Choice, War of the Roses, <laughs> Dinosaurs, uh, and X-Files. Re- Revenge of the Nerds. And Revenge of the, yeah, that's. Family Ties. Oh, God. I mean, Elf. I mean, he is. He's an Elf? <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like we opened a time capsule. Roseanne. I mean, he he's of the prolific actors we have. He is one of the more prolific ones. And you would recognize his face, too. He just has one of those, like, character actor faces. I feel like that's why I recognized him, because yeah. he's one of the ten actors who were on TV shows in non-leading <laughs> roles yeah. in that time period. Exactly. Huh. Well, um... So, anyway, t- Tim kind of leaves Conman T. Ripoffer alone, <laughs> and they, they go and they go looking around at some of the baseball cards, but then their eye is drawn by a commemorative remote control race car signed yeah. by some guy. Rick. Rick. Oh, Rick and Morty. Yes, I've, 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 heard, I've heard of him. Yes, he's a very popular race car driver, uh, popular with middle schoolers and incels. Um, so they... But that, they, before they see the, the car, yeah. Tim uh, discovers a uh, Swedish pancake pan. Oh, that was owned by... Bjorn? I don't know. A, yeah. a Swedish pancake maker. Uh, no, I think, a, I think a Swedish uh, uh, a tennis player, though, because he said something about taking it to Wimbledon, and, and then Tim makes some joke about <laughs> some pancakes out on the on the did he use this on did he use this during Wimbledon? Oh, did he use this to? uh, Okay, maybe I don't even know if that guy like I. This is how bad our sports knowledge is. I don't even know if this is a joke guy or if there was actually a Bjorn Bjornsson or whatever who who ran uh, who ran who was in tennis who ran after balls while playing tennis. It was tennis's most famous ball boy. (laughs) They could have just gotten a golden retriever for it. Um, So. But yes, they they but they put the frying pan aside. They yeah. find the remote control car. Yeah. Now, uh, conman T ripoffer says, "Oh yeah, that that thing's uh, already doubled in value since I bought it, and the asking price is one hundred and forty dollars." And when I heard this, I was like, 
point of order, Mr. Ripoffer, you say it's doubled in value, and you say the asking price is $140. That's not the value. That's w- that's the amount of money you want them to pay you. But, like, it could have been $2, <laughs> and now right. it's $4. Right. And I thought that was going to be the gag of the episode, because because Tim pissed him off up front. He would then quote them poorly on that. <laughs> Right, well, you know, I think he's basing his price off of all of the other uh, remote control cars that are signed by Rick Amlin. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, that, that that market has been saturated, and, and not even saturated, it's been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, saturated is... I, I Appraised. Pra- appraised, yes. It's been appraised Fraser for... Fraser failed you on this one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Appraised for double the value that he paid for it originally. So all of the, the hundreds and hundreds of signed remote control cars uh, have risen in price double, double fold. Okay. The, the idea of, like, I'll, I'll give you that, yes, a model race car, like a high quality model signed by a race car driver could appreciate in value and be memorabilia. A, a remote control car... Sir, no. Yeah. Sir, no. It's the autograph that makes it valuable, though. I guess, but did the guy die? What? I don't, I... If it dies, it, it quadruples in value. Okay. So the guy only half died. Maybe his legs got cut off or something. <laughs> With all due respect to paraplegics, you're not half dead. I think the value of autographs go, it's worth nothing if you're no one. Okay. <laughs> it's worth something if you've accomplished something. Yeah. And it's worth even more if you've accomplished something and you die. Yeah, I don't know the value of something if you're nobody and die. If you if you're if you're nobody and you die, I think it's worth less than nothing. <laughs> you owe point. somebody money if you own something autographed by someone who's died that wasn't famous. Oh God, yes. But now I'm now I'm suddenly realizing like my grandparents' names are in things in my possession. Most you likely. owe so many people so many monies. I don't even know how it would go, man. Our 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 logic has heat stroke now too. <laughs> um, so they. Yeah, so anyway, they wind up deciding to get this commemorative remote control car, which they take home and put under glass and put on the mantelpiece, and we cut back to home where all three of the boys are just sitting there staring at the car. Staring and watching it, yeah, because they can't play with it, obviously, and they, you can already sense the bubbling tension of the the Nutter Butter incident. Uh, Yes. Of like, they they can't contain themselves, they want to do something with it, Uh, but they mention it needs to be in mint condition if the return on investment is going to be anything which are all i mean i have to say these are pretty heady concepts for these three kids yeah. to be dealing with so i, I like I know, that they're I mean, smart enough to i i understood all that i mean in the context of collecting true i understood that as a kid i i don't know if i like could explain you know i couldn't do a, a pie chart or a bar graph for <laughs> you of what that meant but i did understand the core concepts of this in this condition means more later yeah yeah <laughs> i guess that's i guess that's true like with collector culture being what it was yeah then, exactly any kid who was into baseball cards would know that um but yeah they all clearly are sitting there almost vibrating with the tension of wanting to play with it but not being able to mm-hmm. uh then they uh decide you know they're, they're saying no we can't play with it we can't play with it i wonder how fast it'll go <laughs> and this begins like out of the entire series so far, the quickest uh, scenes that we've seen. Yeah, I know. We get it. that them looking at it lasts what maybe thirty seconds. Yeah, forty five seconds, and then immediately when they say, "I wonder how fast it goes," we cut to the backyard. There's not even well, we, we even no, like, we race car transition to the backyard. But yes, <laughs> we race car transition to the backyard, and then they have the scene where they're fighting over the remote control as the the cars on the ground, mm-hmm. and then uh, it. They lose control, and it takes off Yeah, and goes into the alleyway where a garbage truck, which 
I'm assuming is a garbage truck only from the audio or yeah. Hearing. Well, they say garbage truck later on. Oh, do they? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, runs it over. So, and then that scene is all of 30, 40 seconds. Yeah. Um, and then they're back inside again uh, at the kitchen table, the three kids trying to piece it back together. Yeah. And they, you know, it looks pretty good, honestly, like the, the side of it that we see, you know, yeah. they're like patching it with gum and stuff. Yeah. They've got screwdrivers. <laughs> Bill and, and Ted style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, then they turn it around and we see that the other side of it is completely demolished and yes. ripped apart. So they, they just put it back up on the mantelpiece. Point of order with yes. that. Um, they, <laughs> and they had this, and I don't, this is only a point of order because it was established this way before they demolished it. Um, the side of the car that is demolished is the side with the autograph. Oh. And if they're putting it up on the mantelpiece, <laughs> when they originally had it displayed, the autograph was hidden on the back side of it. Yeah. So, that makes no sense because they put it back up there with the smashed side facing away. So yeah. I, I get, I guess they just wanted the wall to look at the autograph and, <laughs> and, and that was it. So yeah, they, they put it back up and are just like, okay, we just, you know, no one will see it if we just keep that side facing away and it stays up there. Yeah. Uh, Tim gets home and the boys all run out to go play or something. They all, yeah, they, they don't want to be in the same house where they're going to have to continue this charade of lying. You know, their yeah, yeah. guilty consciences are going to lead them to their mistake. It's it's uh, Edgar Allan Poe's the Telltale race car. They, <laughs> That's they my can, favorite. They can just hear the vroom 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 <laughs> vroom vroom. Uh, so they so so they all run out. Tim is then banging around the house when Jill comes home, yeah. and Tim and he's just banging so many things. It's weird what he does when no one's around. I know, I know. God, he is. Uh, it, it's that that cow creamer he had earlier. Oh man, last season. You don't want to know where that that actually. You don't want to see how it gets made. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there were a lot of black bars uh, over a lot of things, but after after forty or forty five minutes of banging, um, Jill comes in and Tim indicates to her, "Oh, look at the at the car that the boys and I bought." Yeah, this is the first time she's seeing what they've decided to invest in. A, a lot has happened. The what this means is the boys they went to the store, got home, and put the thing up, and uh, like there wasn't even a full day before the kids fucked this up. They made it like an hour, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so. Jill is is pissed off at Tim. It's like hey, you were gonna get. You, I wanted them to each get their own baseball card, not not all put their money on one thing. Right. She's pissed at him for it. Tim is saying no, but it's great. You know, in mint condition, and it's gonna it's gonna make them all this money. It's gonna double in value. He takes it down off the uh, off the mantle and is walking around with it. But even then, things are blocked and staged so well that like the good end is always facing Tim. Yeah. But Jill sees it before he does. Yeah. Like the the fucked up part, and. And Jill, you know, he, he takes the the dome off of the thing, or uh, the commem- the 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 plastic casing off yeah. of the off of the pedestal for the car. And Jill looks at it and says, did you, "When you say mint condition, do you mean spearmint or peppermint?" And she pulls the gum off of it, holds it up to him. <laughs> good line, good line, good line. Uh, thrown off by the amount of southern twang I was given, I'm putting a little too, I'm like putting <laughs> a little too much stank on that on that southern accent these days. Um, but yes, and they see that the car has been destroyed by the boys, and they are both furious. Yes, they are. Yeah. Jill is furious at Tim for getting worked over by the boys, and Tim is furious at the boys for making a goat of him once again. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. Uh, that goes on the back burner for half a second while we go to a Tool Time episode. Yes. 
where we're on a job site. We are on the construction site with the KB construction crew. How exciting is that? It's very exciting. And the guys, I think Al mentioned, Tim and Al mentioned too, like we're finally coming to see you guys where you work instead right, of the other yeah. way around. It is good to see that these guys are not just performance artists who dress up <laughs> as, right. uh, as, as construction workers, that there actually <laughs> is a job site. And Maybe maybe they've been working on this building for three years, and Ooh, it's just because yeah. they're constant tool time appearances, they only get a little bit of work done every day. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're delaying production because they, uh, they're they just constantly thinking up of new ways to use tools to do mundane things. Exactly. <laughs> and also, the most, and you know, most recently, in their most recent tool time appearance, they brought the entire crew off of the That's work site. right, yeah. So it's not even like in the past they were just shorthanded because the main guys were gone. Now it's every <laughs> single worker. Now, my only question comes, is this a private or government contract? Because if oh. it's... <laughs> <laughs> the latter. Uh, I think I'm, I think this is a government contract, and that's why Tim Allen has the political views that he does, because he's seen just how inefficient government <laughs> spending is. Oh, Eight man. years I was on that show, and the K&B guys never <laughs> finished their building, and they, they build a, you know, trillion dollars for those hammers. Oh, man. Um, but Al is really, really excited to be amongst the steel, uh, which... <laughs> he's, he's hard for that steel, let's just say it. He, uh, it's his favorite of the alloys. Um, and he says that it feels like he's on an Iron Country safari, which I thought was really, really funny. And I think that's when that's when Tim grunts. That's when Tim goes, oh, 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 oh. yeah. yeah. Uh, then they uh, Tim is overly eager to get to the top uh, where they can walk on the steel beams and, and do the episode. Yeah. Well, the whole episode about walking on steel beams. I mean, this is <laughs> the, really from an educational standpoint, this tool time episode is more or less like a Mr. Rogers episode where it's like today we're going to go to a job construction site and see. <laughs> I don't know why it sounds like George Bush, but it's like, oh, we're going to yeah. go and see what they do at a job site. It's It was kind of like that. Are you afraid of heights? Oh, heavens, yes. Oh, Are so you really? much. Okay. Oh, good so lord, you, out if, of control. Given the opportunity to record a grunt work episode on the top of a steel girder, you know that famous shot of the workmen eating, eating lunch? lunch? Yeah. Uh, you, you would pass on that opportunity. I, I would pass extremely hard. I would take. I would, I would <laughs> stand down below and let you toss me a sandwich. I wouldn't even let you do that. I would get a sandwich from a ground-level place. <laughs> and so, like, if we wanted to Skype it yeah. and you'd be up there and me be on the ground... Uh, yeah, no, I have, right. a, I have a paralyzing fear of heights. I okay. can't, can't do it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't even feel comfortable, like, on a second-story balcony necessarily looking over the edge, being on a thin girder that mm. is thinner than my body. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, uh, sorry, sorry to shoot that one down, Landon. No, I, well, you know what? I'm not going to put that out to the audience to get us uh, exclusive access to the top of a construction site. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, still do a live show, just not on, okay. a, not on a girder. <laughs> Fair. Are you okay with a uh, three foot high stage? Yeah, that that I can manage okay. with therapy and Xanax. <laughs> I've gotten that far. Okay. Uh, so anyway, they're up on top of this building, and Tim then asks the guys what happens when they have to use the bathroom, and yeah. naturally makes the joke. Fun. It was funny. Tim asked that right as I was actually wondering the same thing, <laughs> looking at them like, "Oh, I wonder how you go to the bathroom up there." And he asked it, and they yeah. said, "We just take the elevator down to the outhouse," and then Tim. I, do you want to... I actually, I want to do uh, MST3K style invention exchange here. Oh, okay, okay. I have uh, a K and B maybe uh, is a better um, correlation here. Uh, a K and B style solution to peeing oh, while you're up there. Okay. Our, our, it only works for pee though. Our, all right, Dr. Forrester, show me what you got. It's a pee tube. Okay. You get... Uh, Otherwise known as a catheter maybe? <laughs> kind of, yes, exactly. But it's a very long one that you can go... 
uh, all the way up to the the top of the building you're working on that you just pee into like a little cup and it goes all the way down into the porta potty uh, down below. So and at any job site with m- numerous dudes on it, the porta potty at the center of it is like the it's like the center of a nexus of all these pee tubes leading <laughs> exactly. into it, exactly, constantly crossing each other and getting getting tied up. Yeah. So I can see Dr. Forrester pitching this on Mystery Science Theater, saying, like, my new invention combines all the fun of a catheter with uh, <laughs> with, with all of the length of... Um... I see it more as, like, a, a bank tube. Oh. Where you... The, oh, the oh. things that... You know, <laughs> don't make those sounds. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I, I haven't got... Well, I'm sorry, Doctor. I haven't, got, I haven't got anything that can compete with that. I can tell you what Tim invented. Okay. Uh, is he... Clips his carabiner onto a long line that runs down to the ground, and just kind of half jumps, half falls. Yeah. What What is your take on this? Did he intend to fall? Did he intend to jump? I don't think he intend. I don't think he necessarily intended to jump. I think that his he hooked his carabiner on there to be like, ha ha ha, this is how I could do it. Yeah. He, and he already mimed falling once, and then I think he was kind of doing that again. But then his method acting became real. Yes. And then, yeah, so he more or less doesn't even really zip line. He just falls straight into an outhouse. And not like a plastic blue outhouse, but like a wooden old-timey outhouse. I think <laughs> an outhouse, not a porta potty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like... It's I got think, the moon on the door and everything. Yeah, this is, and a little chimney on it. This and is, the prospector comes out <laughs> as soon as he crashes through. God dang it! <laughs> it's gold, I tell ya! Um, not the kind of nuggets you want to be digging for, though. Oh, Oh, God. But, yeah, I think it's a testament to how long the K&B guys have been working on this job site. That the, the you know, They built that, that outhouse in the 1870s, and they've still just been <laughs> been under construction ever since. Oh, my God. Uh, so Tim crashes through. Yeah. They ask if he's okay. He says, can somebody throw me a magazine? And then a <laughs> massive hand throws a magazine. That transitions in- us uh, into the next scene. I have to ask, though... Um, if, obviously, if this was not a planned thing that has been approved by, uh, I guess, Wes Davidson at this point, or any of the people who have a say over the insurance on the show, Mm -hmm. how can Tim continue to have a job? We keep asking this, and he keeps (laughs) having a job. Uh, it's crazy, and this is getting, this is pushing us further and further into this cartoon era. Yes. Well, also because now Tim isn't just, he's not just destroying the set at tool time. He's actually on a work site for, like, this is other people's jobs on the line now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that the, the magazine transition takes us to the backyard yes. where we meet Wilson. Yes. For the first time ever. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's great. And we see his whole face wow. and and learn about the nature of his creation and origin and all that. Uh, you know, he's he's out back uh, making some shoe polish. Yep. Just a big old batch of shoe polish. Uh, and Tim starts talking to him about his troubles and his yep. woes and his travails. And he explains how Jill was pissed at him because they went out to get baseball cards, but instead came home with a RC car. Mm-hmm. And... Wilson says, ah, so Jack went to buy a cow but came home with magic beans. And Tim goes like, what? Jack? Beans? What are you talking about, Wilson? You're inhaling too much of that, that, that shoe polish. And it's like, Tim, do you not know the basic fairy tale? <laughs> right. Like, this isn't I mean, like, that's the joke, obviously, but also that's a stupid joke. I mean, that's just like, yeah, it would be one, <laughs> like, that's not... That's not a super highbrow reference. It's not like he's right. talking about the Iliad or something. You're talking yeah. about, about uh, Jack and the beanstalk. <laughs> exactly, a story yeah. that children know. 
Uh, and then Wilson goes into the whole explanation about um, trying to not necessarily recreate your youth, but always kind of drawn to it and wanting to have the things that you couldn't have. Because Tim was talking about not being able to afford um, the things that he wanted growing up. And yeah. that now that he has a little bit of money, he can. And he's using his kids to live vicariously. Yeah. And Wilson drops the line. Uh, for instance, my mother wouldn't let me talk to my neighbors. <laughs> Hello, Tim? Tim has just walked out of a conversation without saying goodbye. He treats Wilson so bad. You know, I feel like Wilson... People treat Wilson the same way that people in movies and TV shows treat phone calls. No hello, <laughs> yeah. no goodbye, you just start talking, yeah. and it's kind of that same way. Wilson is like a big old telephone in the backyard. <laughs> it's like a phone booth. Uh, uh, also, yeah. in, in talking about Tim's childhood where he wasn't always able to afford toys... Uh, Tim, at, at some point, Wilson restates this to him, like, so you weren't able to afford toys when you were a kid, and Tim goes, oh, yeah, 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 no toys for Tim, tragic, ah, yeah, which was really... <laughs> not, f- not grunts. No, not grunts. They're it's, it's not close. grunts. It was close, but, uh, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this, that scene was filled with a lot of alliteration. Yes, I, I feel like they found, they found the game of the scene, and yeah. that was what it was. <laughs> uh, and then, then Tim goes inside, and, uh... Jill's there and they discuss about like, you know, Tim's like, okay, you know, I realize I shouldn't have forced the kids to get the remote control. That was something that I wanted, um, Mm. not them. And she's like, well, no, I should have just listened to my mom and invested, reinvested the bonds without asking them. And then they start arguing over like, well, it's got to be somebody's fault. Yeah. The The boys. boys. Like any good parent, (laughs) you you blame the three children for being childish. Yeah. Actually, very quickly, speaking of parents before, just to quickly go back to Wilson, he says... His mom never let him talk to his neighbors, except the time that his mom visited, and <laughs> they both talked to Tim together, yeah, and presumably right. Wilson was like, yeah, mom, you never let me talk to the neighbors? Well, now I talk to this neighbor every night, mom. <laughs> That's Look the argument they had. I love yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, so yeah. they agree that the boys are to blame. Yeah, and the kids come home. Um, right on cue. Right on cue. As Almost on as if show. Uh, Kramer was living next door. <laughs> Giddy up. <laughs> and uh, they... Jill immediately is like, okay, follow my lead. She's telling Tim, like, yeah. I got an idea. We're not gonna we're not gonna just lay this out. We're gonna teach them a lesson. Yeah. And so she hops on the phone and the kids come home and she says she's on the phone with uh, the sports memorabilia guy. Yeah, Mr. Ripoffer. <laughs> and and, she, and uh, well yeah, do you wanna Yeah, so she's like um, he's saying that uh, he has a buyer and he wants to offer you guys $200 for your remote control car. Yeah. Uh, and Tim's like, oh man, that's a $60 investment in one day. That's awesome. Or yeah. uh, return on your investment in one yeah. day. Uh, and they're like, uh, no, 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 they, we can't. They look sick and yeah. they just walk back in. <laughs> uh, and then Jill's like, okay, well, we'll have to. Wait, oh, wait, no, now he's saying he wants $300 or $250 or however much yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it goes $250, then $300. And the boys yeah. keep saying, no. No, 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 getting harder and harder to say no. And then she's, and then she says, "Oh my gosh, he's offering seven hundred and fifty. And at that point, Tim is looking back at her like, "Dude, you're gonna break them too, too much, too, yeah, too much." And at that, at that point, Mark goes like, "Okay, sold." And like, no, 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 no. But so yeah, so that they, you know, this is that is the that is the prank. What surprised me though, like I was expecting the boys to then reveal that the car is broken. And for the the game to be up, but instead they don't. Like it's just like the boys just like no, it's just got sentimental value to us. It's right. fine. And Jill just hangs up the phone. It's yeah. like oh, okay, too bad. And th- oh, and then Tim twists the knife though. He says, yeah, well, that's just you gotta gotta remember, boys. Sometimes if you don't move right away, that that deal can be gone in a minute. <laughs> yeah. 
and then they just then they just like high five like they get out of sight of the boys and they high five and walk off up the stairs right and that's that and well, well then the kids start arguing over and, it and, uh yeah off frame yeah we get a reprise of the bloody nutty buddy incident <laughs> i think uh, but yeah, they really they gaslit their kids <laughs> yes, and are happy do. about it. Absolutely. And truthfully, though, it's like they, they, those boys were really dumb today. They did a real <laughs> dumb thing. Uh, they yes, it's true. Um, and hopefully they've learned a lesson, though we have no real indication of how much it's going to be retained. But and, and that's why you always protect your investment. <laughs> um our stinger is jill at the memorabilia shop she is being kind and wanting to uh invest fifty dollars for each of the kids yeah. herself into a baseball card uh, still a questionable investment in my personal opinion jill but uh it's I got, the 90s anything i got really worried with the how this scene was potentially going to play out yeah and they did pull back from the brink because as jill's wandering around the memorabilia store she sees the frying pan i was mm. gonna be like oh don't put this being like oh it's the one female thing in the store uh so the way it plays out is she's asking she's asking mr ripoffer about things in there and he's he's doing his stock line like everything has doubled in value since he since he got it and so she finds the uh the pancake pan whatever yeah that's been autographed yeah and brings it over and talking about how like oh i love swedish pancakes oh tim does Oh, Tim loves Swedish pancakes, and then Mr. Ripoffer is like, oh, yeah, they're great with, uh, they're great with a little bit of marmalade. Yeah. And so she says, so if I if I get the three cards, like, how much is this if I also get the three cards? And he says, 50 bucks. And she says, how about 10? And he goes, sold, and I'll throw in some, some marmalade. Right, I won't throw in the marmalade. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And she kind of pouts. Oh, yeah. She sa- he says, 50 bucks, and I'll throw in some marmalade. He says, what about 10? He says, sure, but no marmalade. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's not great. Uh, the way that that plays out in terms of women's interests and yeah, like oh, I'm gonna cook something for my man. I don't. I, yeah, it's kind of, it bothered me a little bit, but yeah. they they pulled back from the brink a tiny bit uh, yeah. to make it somewhat acceptable, I suppose. Yeah. The, just to see Jill haggle was kind of fun. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, and then the outtakes were a fever dream of just uh, which is what I'm entering in right now in this heat. Yeah. Just some shots of the stuntman rappelling yeah. or jumping down in the thing. In slow motion, though. Yes, with, like, this weird background that was just like... Ding, 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 <laughs> no, it sounds almost like Devo. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like an SNES level from yeah. the Home Improvement game. Yeah, which would be a lot better than that. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's our episode. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward. I That truly was an episode of the TV series Home Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and I love that I now have completed my entire uh, home improvement viewing experience. I know, I know. A 25-year mission finally comes to its end. It's crazy, isn't it? I know. I'm sorry that you don't have that to look forward to anymore. <laughs> if only it was the last episode. Yeah, what's the next thing I gotta find? I don't know. Uh, what else from my childhood I miss? Um, uh, so before we go, before we end this episode, um, we have a user-submitted question. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, you know, there. I think there's no two better qualified people than a couple of home improvement nerds who have currently sweated out half of their body weight. <laughs> uh, this is from, uh, can you guess who? Uh, is it from the, wait, it's from Tim Allen, isn't it? <laughs> Directly from Tim Allen. Oh my God. Uh, it's it's another one from the fan theory world, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they submitted two right on top of each other and I'm just going chronologically here. So okay. uh, if you want to submit a, a question to us that can be home improvement related or home improvement unrelated, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook uh, at GruntWorkPod or send us an email, info at GruntWorkPodcast.com. Uh, their question is, 
Would you rather go square dancing with Al or to the opera with Jill? Opera with Jill. <laughs> Why? Oh, wow. You were... Is I, one is it a participatory thing for you? I think a it's a participatory thing because I don't like I don't like dancing particularly. Mm. Also, I think that I would love I would love to just like have a girls' night out with Jill, basically. Like the two, like I think <laughs> okay. we would go to the opera and then we'd probably have dinner or, or well, we'd probably have dinner before and then go to the opera and have drinks after. And no pervs. I'm not looking at this like it would be like a romantic thing. I'm just saying like two old friends yeah. engaging in a cultural activity. I think that Jill doesn't get a whole lot of opportunities to kind of do that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I would I would really like, you know, to just be like, hey, this, I just want to see Jill being Jill. Outside of the lens of motherhood, outside of the, the <laughs> okay. lens of being Tim's wife. That's very Frasier of you. Yes. It, uh, well, most things <laughs> I do are very Frasier of me, but this in particular. Uh, so that would be me. I mean, what's what's your feeling? I, I'm going to go the opposite. Yeah? As much as I love the opera and obviously love Jill, um, there's something about... Being privy to Al's firsthand experience of Al's enthusiasm for something he geeks out on, true. Uh, that I don't think I could help but fall under the spell of his enthusiasm and in, in getting me off the couch. You know the way that he he's trying to get in uh, Rumi for improvement, trying to get yeah. Tim off the couch and and dance uh, to Gordy Hawkins. Uh, I I, I want to experience that. I want to be a part of that. Um, True. I would go to, like, if, if he invited me to, like, watch one of his square dance competitions or something, I would <laughs> yeah. totally do that. Honestly, if the question was, would you rather go to the opera with Jill or just have dinner at Al's place, it would yeah. be a real toss-up for me. Because mm. ha- having some of his crockpot food <laughs> and watching some of his home movies and, and watching him square dance around the apartment, I would like a lot. Well, there's no promise that he'll square uh, square dance around the the apartment for you, because you know if the square dance music goes on, who knows what uh, starts happening in that apartment? I think Cynthia has tales to tell. I I think the old saying is uh, when the square dance music goes on, he's gonna fuck till the break of dawn. <laughs> that old chestnut. Yep, yep. I know the famous nursery rhyme. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, do you have anything else you want to cover in this episode? I, I mean, I said the thing about Daiquiri Ty Brian, which is really all I came into this <laughs> meaning to discuss. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> okay, good. Okay, all right. Um, so, one more reminder. The podcast awards are through the end of July. Uh, you can vote, I think, till the 31st. It's um, thepodcastawards.com. You sign up. We uh, There's a lot of categories. You pick us from TV and film as well as the people's choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, vote for others as well in other categories. Uh, you know, why not waste a vote? Um, <laughs> save your nominations. Uh, and then if you're, if you're very gung-ho about it, promote it on Twitter saying uh, voted for at GruntWorkPod uh, and use the hashtag PCA18. We would really appreciate it. Um, and we would really appreciate you. Yeah, well, we already appreciate you, but do you want to see the true heights of appreciation yeah right uh do you want to see someone lose their appreciation yeah see that you get you know two two roads diverge in a wood here you can either (laughs) get more appreciation or have less of it but staying the same is not an option (laughs) oh man um as far as our episode goes you can find all of our show notes on uh this episode which is called dollars and cents on our website which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com and you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter there which is where you can find information like did you know you can vote for us in the podcast awards? <laughs> you know, people are people don't know that, and people <laughs> love hearing about that, so I'm sure they will sign up right away. Ay, ay, ay. But you can also get your, our, our show notes uh, and notified whenever new episodes are available, as well as our other um, guest podca- uh, 
podcast appearances. Uh, mm-hmm. You and I do independent stuff sometimes. So, <laughs> so uh, once in a great long while, we do things independent of one another. <laughs> uh, so that's a great way to get all that. Uh, and remember, if you enjoy our show, you can always uh, rate us and review us on iTunes, which is a great way to uh, to put us in the eyes of other people and hearts of other people and ears of other people and mouths of other people. Okay. Mm nope. Nope. And remember that every time you spread the word about us, we'll share our nutty buddy before things get too bloody. <laughs> oh man. You can also follow us on all the other social media places, which is at grunt work pod. And with that, I've been Truman caps. I've been landing Solando. So Solando. <laughs> You know, you gave me you you gave me shit about Brestler, but I think Solando is seventy five percent as funny. Is, I uh, yeah yeah. Is is Solando versus the Brestler yes, in the ring tonight? Sunday, Sunday, is. Sunday. Uh, I've been landing Solano for grunt work, and remember, if you invest in grunt work, you're investing in your future. Oh, we'll see you next week, folks. Oh.